You are on the line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 106.7. Listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater with you on your Thursday afternoon. Thank you for joining us for another edition of on the line if you want to join into the show call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502 find levi and i on twitter at point gardner or at levi fitzwater i was right i put it all on the line yesterday and i was right big right i i went out on a limb i threw it out on social media i said auburn mark my words put it on the record right here Right now, Auburn was going to roll Georgia last night, blow them out, and what happened? They blew them out, 95-77. And, of course, it feels nice as one media personality to not be catching heat on social media, whereas Dan Dockich is the enemy of the Auburn people at the moment (laughs) with some of the things that he said about Sharif Cooper. But Sharif Cooper somehow found a way to follow up his debut with an even better performance 28 points 12 assists five rebounds a couple of steals Sharif Cooper continues to show how great he really is this was the big one at least for me for Sharif Cooper to see how does he come out in his second game first game he comes out 26 points absolutely dominates everybody's watching him everybody sees the great performance he had against Alabama and I I even said yesterday, I didn't know what we were going to get. Was he going to come out and do the exact same thing or have a performance similar? Or was he going to have a bit of regression? And he came out and he showed up. And again, he was playing against a team that really played against his strengths. Georgia, not very good at protecting the rim. Shreve Cooper, very good at driving to the basket and making those shots. Comes out, gets the double-double. Absolutely fantastic performance. And I mean, this Auburn team, it's night and day when he's in the lineup. And we said we just needed a point guard. But man, when a point guard of this caliber is in the lineup, this is a dangerous Auburn team moving forward in the year. If they can keep up what they are playing at right now, it could be a really dangerous team moving forward for the rest of the SEC schedule in the regular season and a big building block for next year for the next year's Auburn team. Yeah, you talk about what it means to have a point guard in the lineup. Justin Powell even makes an impact on this roster, and he wasn't out there, of course, lingering head issue there for Justin Powell but Sharif Cooper is more than just having a point guard in the lineup he's the leader of this team and he's only been out there for two games which we talked about going into this week or going into the Alabama game we said there's no leader on this Auburn basketball team at the moment there's no leader that can step in when you need a run snapped when you need someone out there to go and shut down the other team maybe not from a defensive standpoint but when you need a bucket to shut down an opposing team's run when you need somebody just to step in and calm the storm, Auburn finally has that with Sharif Cooper. And it still looks night and day different with Auburn having him on the floor versus Auburn not having him on the floor. 
but I think it's done well for everybody from an energy standpoint. It's done well for everybody from a morale standpoint. And obviously we've seen it's done everybody well from a performance standpoint just to have him on the floor. Everybody gets better when Sharif Cooper is on the floor. Plain and simple, end point, period, done. It also, it's really good to see some of the comments after the game from Sharif Cooper again. A young kid was in high school last year who is saying that he he doesn't care, just to paraphrase him, that he doesn't care about the stats or how he came out and performed. He's more he's more focused on the fact that Auburn won and that Auburn went out and got the win. He sees it as a team game. And then you have guys like Devin Cambridge coming out there and saying, yeah, he makes me look better. He makes my game easier. It's clear that this team is rallying around Sharif Cooper and for good reason. He's the best player on the floor when he's out there. Most of the time, for what I've seen on both sides of, you know, for either team so far. And he makes all these players who are good players, borderline great players at some points, he makes them even better because that's what a point guard should do. That's what Auburn was missing all year. And now you have not only a point guard, you have a generational talent, as it seems right now, at point guard who is playing out of his mind, making everybody better. Making this Auburn a, making this Auburn team a completely different basketball team, it's it's going to be fun to watch, and I I just really hope he stays next year because man, it would be really really good to see this Auburn team with him next year with a year of development under his belt. Is it too early to say that he's a generational talent? It's a little early to say generational talent, but I mean he does possess the qualities to become a generational talent. He's he's a phenomenal athlete. He has all the potential in the world to really become something special, at least at the collegiate level. The size is an issue at the NBA stage. But if he can develop his game even further than what it is right now, and again, he's a young kid, he's a freshman, if he can develop it even further, he could really be special at the collegiate level and even at the NBA level if he can find a way to develop even further. Sharif Cooper's stat line last night, 28 points, 12 assists, 5 rebounds, 2 steals. He had 5 turnovers. 9 for 22 from the floor, so still not overly efficient, but not a horrible not a horrible stat line as far as shooting the basketball goes. Still can't find his shot from beyond the arc. Was scoreless from the perimeter. Was 0 for 4 at shooting three-point shots last night. He's 1 for 11 in his career at Auburn. Great free throw shooter, 10 for 12. I think that's something that's not being talked about enough. He's getting to the line for Auburn because he loves to attack the basket. That's the primary tool in his belt. Auburn has struggled to shoot free throws this year. You take out his free throw shooting last night, Auburn goes 10 for 14, which is still a pretty good mark, but we haven't seen Auburn shoot it that well consistently all year long. Sharif Cooper going 10 for 12 at the free throw line. Auburn needs a guy who you can go to with free throws when it comes down to it late. Now there's a guy on the floor that they absolutely don't want to foul but he's a primary ball handler and in late game situations I think Sharif Cooper is a guy that you can rely on to close out a basketball game with this free throw shooting really some of the things that he might need to improve on right now obviously extending his range the three-point shot appears to be the primary thing that he might need to improve but also cutting down on the turnovers a little bit he's he's still turning the basketball over a lot just like the rest of this Auburn team Auburn had 21 turnovers last night I, I tweeted out midway through the ball game at the at halftime I said imagine how good this team would be if they didn't turn the ball over 10 times a half Auburn had 21 turnovers last night 
amazingly lost the turnover battle by three Georgia had 18 so marginally different there but just amazing to see Auburn turned the ball over 21 times and win a basketball game by 18 was the last time that you could say that about Auburn or any team for that matter that's that's impressive for for any basketball team if you can turn the ball over 21 times and still manage to win by double digits that is that's impressive if they can cut those turnovers down I mean you tweeted out last night I know you said it I remember seeing it last night man if they didn't turn the ball over 10 times a half this would be an incredible basketball team we would be talking about this team in a completely different light and they were impressive last night it's just Cut down the turnovers. That's it. That's that's a team game. That's not just out of Sharif Cooper. The entire team has to work on that. On yesterday's show, go and check out the podcast to go and find this segment. You can go and find it wherever you get your podcast. On yesterday's show, we talked about what is this team going to be after the energy dies down. Obviously, they're super amped up to be able to play with their teammate Sharif Cooper. A big reason why I thought Auburn was going to roll Georgia last night was because I know that all throughout this week they've been thinking, you know, for the last three or four days, just wait till we get back out there. Just wait till we get to prove what we can do with Sharif Cooper on the floor and as a team now almost back at full strength. And I know they've been thinking about that for a while, and now they've shown that. And I, I think on Saturday they're going to bring the same energy because now they get to do it for the first time since that Alabama game for the first time in front of their home fans against a team that I've already said, no team in this league is afraid of Kentucky anymore. No team in this league is afraid of Kentucky. Not a single one. Alabama destroyed them. Auburn Went has handled them. Went up to rub and thumped them. Right, and Auburn has handled them in recent years. Mississippi State took them to the line very late in that ballgame. I mean, that one went to double overtime. Kentucky is not the same team that they used to be. Calipari is losing his control over the SEC if he hasn't lost it already. I would say that he's lost it. Tennessee's there. Tennessee's definitely not afraid of Kentucky. He's lost control over the SEC that he had when he walked in and he had for really the first half of his coaching stint at Kentucky. Auburn's not afraid of him, and that's a big part of why I think this could be the beginning of a streak for Auburn getting hot after beating Georgia and possibly being able to bring it back to their home floor against Kentucky. I don't know when the energy and the initial excitement of having Sharif Cooper is going to wear off. It will happen. That's just that's just the fact of the matter. They're going to get used to having each other out there, obviously. And that's not a bad thing. That's the place that you want this Auburn team to go to. People might be wondering what I mean by the energy of having him out there is going to wear off. It, it will wear off. Like just the just being amped up, eventually your energy level is going to go back to where where it typically is. It's going to come back to its resting point. That's just the nature of the game. For Auburn, it's going to be important of what are they when they get back to that resting point. That's why I think we have to take last night's result with a grain of salt. You have to pump the brakes just a little bit. And I know I was super amped up and excited yesterday watching the game and pregame, you know, making the statements that I did about it. And I still think this Auburn team is going to get on a streak, but you can't fall in love or fall in love is not the right, right word. You can't you can't just latch on to this new phenom. You can't just latch on to this new team that it, that that's destroyed that just destroyed Georgia and played really well against Alabama because there's still elements of them that they need to work out of their game, like turnovers and just a general efficiency from some of these guys. I mean, some guys go dormant and go inconsistent. Cambridge is rather streaky. I mean, they've got some streaky scores on this team. And I think this team's as talented as, as anybody, and I'm not talking bad about them at all. I'm just calling it like it is. When this team's energy comes back to its resting point 
and maybe they get into a game against a really talented team like a Tennessee or an Alabama again and it comes down to crunch time like it did against Alabama last Saturday what are you going to do to win that basketball game are you going to turn the ball over like you did against the Crimson Tide at home last weekend or are you finally going to exercise those demons and stop doing that are you finally going to start advancing past and developing beyond what, you, what you've been doing on the floor. You said they shrank when it came to crunch time last Saturday. Are they going to rise to the occasion from here out? Because right now it's either been Auburn winning big or Auburn losing in the close ones and then the, the occasional blowout like what they had against Gonzaga. So I'm still seeing some not-so-great trends from them at the moment. Fun to watch, uber-talented, they're young, but I need to see eventually – this team take that next step and not turn the basketball over as much and get a little bit more efficient on the offensive end of the floor. Learning how to play without the energy, without the hype that Sharif Cooper has brought in the past two games, big. Learning how to play without turning the ball over so much, again, big. I think right now this Auburn team's a better team than this Kentucky team. I know I said that they were a dark horse. They're always talented. They always recruit well. It's just not materializing yet. I'm not ready to back off of that pick, but at least at this very moment, I think this Auburn team has a really good chance to go into Saturday. Like you said, go on a streak, get something going, and then if you can go into Saturday, beat Kentucky, you're looking at next Wednesday, a rematch against Arkansas that is going to be completely different than the first time you played Arkansas, and you've got a a nice little two-game win streak under your belt. You're feeling like a new team, and then if you can go into Arkansas and, you know, again, not trying to get way too ahead of it, but if you go on the road and beat that team who we have seen was, you know, handled Auburn the first time, that's a really good momentum booster for this team moving forward into the rest of this season and even next year as a potential building block for them. I don't know, man. It's it's hard. It's it's hard to look at a team this talented right now who's playing their best basketball they played all season because they have their best player back. It's hard for me to think that Kentucky can come into Auburn the way they have been playing and actually beat Auburn if they play like this. But again, if it gets down to crunch time, who knows what this Auburn team's going to do? They might they might shrink. They might shrink against Kentucky. It's a young team. They might they might be afraid against Kentucky. Bruce Pearl isn't, but a young team might be. They they grew up seeing how great Kentucky was, how great Coach Cow has been. Are you implying that this group of players right here, this fearless group of players that has gone toe-to-toe with the teams that they faced already in the SEC, that they're afraid of a 4-7 and seven Kentucky team? No, I'm not saying that they are. I'm saying it is a possibility that they could be. I don't be. think that there is a possibility that they are. I don't think there's a single team in this league that's afraid of a 4-7 and seven Kentucky team right now. And, of course, they are 3-1 and one in conference play. But this Kentucky team is significantly worse than what we've seen. Possibly the worst Calipari team that they've had at Kentucky. And I think, if anything, these young guys are thinking, oh, it's time to show Kentucky why why they should have recruited me. And, of course, Sharif Cooper was recruited by Kentucky, and he chose to go to Auburn. But a lot of these guys may have not have been recruited by Kentucky. Now they're about to show, well, hey, maybe they should have recruited me over their starting backcourt of Boston Jr. and Mitts, who combined – for 10 points on 4 for 17 shooting against Alabama. Maybe they should have got me instead of some of the guys that are playing right now. And so I think they're going to take it with a chip on their shoulder and everybody gets up for the Kentucky game. Everybody does. Kentucky, when they go on the road, that's always the game that's going to bring you the greatest gate. The name value is still there, but the, but the players and the coaches know 
this isn't Kentucky's league anymore. Yeah, even when even when it's a bad Kentucky team, it's the same way with Dukes in North Carolina. When they have a bad team, that name carries. When they come into your house, you want to watch that game. You want to get up for that game. So I agree with you. I don't think that they have any any fear in Kentucky. I'm just saying we can't rule out that possibility because it is a young team. But I agree with you. I think that this team comes in, plays fearless, and I think they I think they take it to Kentucky. Maybe not the same way Alabama did, but I think they control the game for the most part. Keep up with all of the content the show is putting out on RadioAlabamaSports.net and on the Radio Alabama Sports Facebook page. Follow it on Twitter as well, at Radio AL Sports. It's the place to be for Auburn and Alabama content as well as high school sports content. Once again, that's RadioAlabamaSports.net. We've got more of On the Line coming up on the other side of this break. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Call into the show at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. We want to hear from you. Up 10 minutes away from Jason Caldwell of Inside the Auburn Tigers, part of the 24-7 Sports Network, joining us on the show this afternoon. He'll be coming up at 2.30, so stay with us for that. Phone lines are open right now, though. So if you want to call in, once again, the number to call, 321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. You can find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Tracy Rocker now officially named Auburn's defensive line coach. Of course, reports were servicing everywhere yesterday that it was happening, that it was finalized. Auburn today officially announcing it. After 24 hours to stew on this, what do you think of this hire? It's still it's still not a flashy hire in terms of I think it is. I don't I don't think it I is think in terms of I think it's the name value. That, that's what yeah, what I was going to say was I don't think it's flashy in terms of, you know, the stops and all of that and maybe just the track record in terms of outside of Auburn. But the name value from an Auburn standpoint, from a name standpoint and him being on that championship team, those are things that I think are the flashier part of this hire. That, I don't know, man. Tracy Rocker, when you're talking about his coaching pedigree i mean he's been Name a lot a of school places. and he's been there i think but i <laughs> Name think an nfl team he's been there there's one nfl place that he's been at the titans I that's think, right i think that's what uh i think that's a bit of a scare when people see bouncing around almost year to year it seems like not always year maybe to year, but. but there have been several stops where he's been there for at least three years and that's a good that is a good thing which, where he's been there a few years which i get what you're saying because I made the same argument about Jake Peets, the LSU offensive coordinator, who's only been in like an on-field coaching role where he's like been the guy in that position as a quarterback's coach or, or, or any type of assistant role, and then he, he just now got OC at LSU because he worked under Joe Brady for a year. Woo! You know, like <laughs> that's not enough to sell me because he's not Joe Brady. You didn't just hire Joe Brady back. You, you hired Thank Joe Brady's you. understudy back. And how certain are you that Joe Brady's understudy really absorbed everything that Joe Brady tried to teach him? Also, on top of that, does he have the ability to execute it when it comes to crunch time? That was my big issue with Pete's at LSU. You look at Tracy Rocker's history. I mean, you go back, Troy in 1997-01, Cincinnati, Arkansas, Ole Miss, Auburn, Tennessee Titans, Georgia, Tennessee, South Carolina, and now back to Auburn. And a lot of his products have have panned out at the college level, I would say. I think he's a good developer. Of course, I've seen in a lot of places, message boards and whatnot, folks questioning. The, the journal poll seems to be folks questioning some of his recruiting 
ability and what he'll be able to do on that front. But nobody really questioning his development. But then again, there is, you know, if you had a line graph with cross points on it, you know, at some point, development only goes so far. It's, you'd love to get high-profile recruits and develop those guys too. You know, the, the old rec- development only goes so far. A guy's potential runs out at some point. It's not like everybody comes in to the SEC with sky is the ceiling type of potential. Some guys, some guys don't have that potential. Some right. guys have a, some guys have a pretty low ceiling. And I like the hire. I mean, I like the hire too. I just, I, I know that a lot of fans are excited, but I know there are some fans who are a little tempered by it just because. Again, recruiting aspects, and it feels a lot of it's, the name carries a lot more weight to a lot to some people. It carries a lot more weight than the coaching pedigree, but there is a lot of there's a lot of good there. I mean, he's put guys in the league online. Nick Fairley, Nick Fairley, D- Nick Fairley is the big guy from Auburn that he had. Yeah, I mean, he's put him in the league. Demarcus Ware, everybody knows who Demarcus Ware was. He did coach Demarcus Ware. Seems seems like a long time ago, but uh, he did. I mean, you have him. You got. Nick Fairley, who's the big one, which if he can replicate that with a guy like Nick Fairley, or a, you know, a guy with similar athletic ability of Nick Fairley, if you can uh, recruit, like if you can replicate that at Auburn this time around, fans are going to be happy. Fans love Nick Fairley when he was there. Didn't pan out quite as well in the league for Nick Fairley, but an absolute monster in college. If he can again do this at Auburn under Coach Harson. People are going to like it. Now, again, people love the hire. People love the name. You know, it's. I think I, it's a good hire. I do think it's a good hire. I think people's issue with it is just a general fatigue. There's a fatigue with Tracy Rocker because he's been in the game for so long. He's been at so many different stops. And the last couple of stops, it's the same type of fatigue that I feel like people had with Mike Bobo. I was, I was just about to say that. So good. And the most recent stops weren't that great for Rocker. And now he's he's coming back to Auburn. But this is big for this staff where I just talked about the last four position group hires had a combined two years of SEC experience. Now they add a guy who's got loads of SEC experience, more than 10 years. This guy knows the recruiting trails, whether he'll or not he'll be able to close the deal and do as good of a job as Rodney Garner did with recruiting. Probably not. I mean, this is a step down in recruiting for Auburn at the position, I think. Because you had Rodney Garner, and also probably development too. Of course, there you know everything. You know there there were rumors and everything about stuff happening around Kevin Steele and Rodney Garner this last little bit. And I think most people expected that Kevin Steele and Rodney Garner wouldn't be returning to the Plains, and and they're not. But you can't lie. This is a step down as far as what Auburn's been doing on the defensive line to this up to this point. But there aren't many guys that Auburn would have hired that it wouldn't have been a step down because Rodney Garner is about as good as it gets That's true. at that position amongst defensive line coaches. He's, he's about as good as it gets. So after I've taken about 24 hours to stew on this, because it was a little bit of a mixed bag for me. Reports were just coming out yesterday. It was a little bit of a mixed bag for me going into it, but I, I like the hire. I value the experience with this staff specifically, and I don't want every position group coach to have SEC experience over possibly being from the outside with a good track record. You know, I'm okay with some – Boise guys and culture fit guys that maybe don't have SEC experience but I think after the most recent slew that came through over the weekend I think this is a very valuable pull for Auburn because his name carries a lot of weight and I think this is a flashy hire going back to where we started this segment because of the name it's this is people know who Tracy Rocker is everywhere I mean that every single stop he's been it seems like he's been in every state in the southeast other than Louisiana that's it 
It's a it's a flashy name. It's a flashy hire because of the name. I just don't think some some fans just don't see it as a flashy hire because of certain. Ex- it's just, fatigue. Yeah, it's we are. Fatigue. Yeah, we hit on the fatigue factor. That's what that's that's the only downside to the hire outside of it might be it's a step down from Coach Garner, but it's it's still a good hire. I mean, everybody knows Tracy Rocker. Most people love him. He's a Auburn, you know, Auburn family. People love that. People love bringing bringing people back home. So I think it's a good hire. Um, I want to see how well he does on the recruiting trail. I know that's a part that we've said it might be a weak point. I want to see if he can improve in that and really bring some talent in from that position. But I think maybe Derek Mason helps along with that because you can sell people that, hey, this guy's your defensive coordinator too. So For the first time since before Gus Malzahn, I think you can say that the Auburn defensive line is a weak point on the roster. It feels weird to hear someone say that. For the first time in a long time, you can say that the Auburn defensive line, maybe even much longer before Gus Malzahn, because Chiswick still had some good defensive lines coached by Tracy Rocker. I mean, those lines had Antoine Carter, Nick Fairley. There were other guys on that line that were all were all Americans other than just Nick Fairley or all SEC honors, not all Americans, but just all SEC guys. And then, of course, we know about the Tuberville defensive line. So defensive line has never really been a position of concern as much as it was this past year. Maybe I, I'm just got recency bias and I'm missing a year. Of course, 2012 was abysmal, but even 2012, you had D Ford and Corey Lemonier on that defensive line. Those guys worked out. Those guys went to the NFL. This group, I'm trying to figure out which guy's going to the NFL. This group, we saw two guys transfer out and they didn't have great production. And I, typically you would have been like, oh, two starters just left the, the front. And you'd, you'd say, that's a big blow. But I'm over here like, well, where's the production to match the fact that they're leaving? I, Daquan Newkirk announced he's going to Florida. And other than the fact that he's going to an SEC rival, which recruits and now him, transfers, could do whatever they want. But still, I know some guys might, maybe not. Maybe guys in the locker room won't take it some way. But I could see some guys taking it the wrong way that he went to another high-profile team in the SEC. But do what's best for you. Do what's best for trying to get yourself into the league. And Florida's gotten some defensive linemen into the league most recently. Ja'Kai Polite is a guy that I that I remember recently for them. And so Newkirk going to Florida makes sense. And so we'll we'll talk about that later on in the show. And Grantham and them are, are, are getting a good defensive lineman, I think at least somebody that they can mold. I don't know if his production was great at Auburn, but it is somebody that they can mold. He's got talent. On the other side of this break, we got Jason Caldwell joining the show. Don't go anywhere. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. Hey, sports fans. Jeff Myers here, senior pastor at First Baptist Church of Opelika. And I think it goes without saying that most of us, if not all of us, are grateful that 2020 is behind us. I know we're looking forward to new days. There's new coaches, new contracts, new players, new opportunities. But at the same time, I think we need to reflect on days gone by. The Gallup poll just came out with a survey on mental health of Americans. Interesting, over the last year, it didn't matter one's gender, age, or stage of life. The only group of people who had a better mental health this year compared to last year are those who attended a weekly worship or religious service. Let me encourage you not just to cheer for your teams of choice this year, 
but also attend the church of your choice. If you're not already plugged into a local church, come see us, First Baptist Church of Opelika, so that next year at this time, your mental health will be better as well. Are you satisfied with your media marketing partners? This is Nicole Finley, owner of Auburn Pharmacy, and I'd like to tell you how advertising with Auburn Network has been our best marketing investment. When my husband Chris and I opened Auburn Pharmacy last November, we had a minimal budget but ran ads on the Auburn Network family of stations. When the coronavirus pandemic hit, Auburn Network was there for us, helping promote and encourage us any way they could through various announcements and social media posts. Don't believe in the power of advertising on radio? We love hearing patients constantly mention our ads on Wings less than a year of being open. Auburn Pharmacy has been awarded four OA News Reader's Choice Awards, including Best Locally Owned Drugstore and Gift Store. And we fully believe advertising with Auburn Network played an integral part. So from one locally owned business to another, thank you. If Auburn Network can help you with your marketing, go to aunetwork.com. That's aunetwork.com. Domino's week-long carry-out deal means you can carry out three topping pizzas for $7.99 each every day. That's right, $7.99 each, and every day means any day. But just in case there's any confusion, we've set up a helpful website to confirm if today's a day you can carry out three topping pizzas for $7.99 each at Domino's. Just go to HowAboutToday.com to find out if Domino's week-long carry-out deal is valid today. Spoiler alert, it is. Carry out only. You must ask for this limited time offer. Prices, participation, and charges may vary. Excludes extra large and specialty pizzas. Crust availability varies by size. On Auburn Basketball Saturdays, ESPN 106.7 goes live after the game. Hey, it's Zach Blackerby. Join Lance Dahl and me this Saturday, presented by our friends at Tzatziki's Mediterranean Cafe on South College Street, following the conclusion of Auburn's game against Kentucky. We'll provide post-game analysis and take your calls. After the game, presented by Tzatziki's Mediterranean Cafe on South College in Auburn. Also brought to you by the Orthopedic Clinic and Columbus Hospice of Alabama on ESPN 106.7. Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater with you on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. We've got Jason Caldwell of Inside the Auburn Tigers, part of the 24-7 Sports Network, joining us on the phone lines. Jason, how are you doing today? I'm good, Noah. How about you? I'm doing great, and I appreciate you joining us on the show today. Well, let's start it off with the news that just was officially announced. I mean, of course, reports were servicing yesterday, yesterday about it, but Tracy Rocker now officially named the Auburn defensive line coach. What do you make of this hire? Yeah, you know, I think you look at it and I think you look at Ryan Harson, uh, you know, people wondered how would he um, kind of figure out the, the lay of the land in the Southeastern Conference. And I think it's by, you know, uh, some of his assistant hires. So obviously bringing a couple of guys with him from Boise State, still a couple of guys, you know, yet to be hired. But you look at it and there's a veteran SEC presence. When you look at some of these hires, obviously Tracy Rocker has been at four or five different schools in the league, played at Auburn a couple of times at Auburn as an assistant. Uh, I think you look at his addition and is a guy that, that knows it. He's a developer. He's worked in the NFL. And so I think it's a, another guy that puts you in a, you're really in a good spot in terms of, of knowing what this league's all about. It seems like Coach Harson has put together a balanced staff balancing culture fit even though a guy may not be from the southeast but also balancing it with guys that are familiar with the southeast with Mike Bobo, Derek Mason, Tracy Rocker and, the, and then Carnell Williams as well. 
Um, with some of these remaining positions open, do you expect him to continue to go uh, with, with a more balanced route, or do you think he'll favor? Do you think he'll favor maybe people that he's familiar with, or you know, guys that have ties to the southeast? I think it's I think it's been about fit for him from the get go. Now I think if you combine fit and guys that are familiar with with the league, then that's a great deal. But I think you know you look at Derek Mason and. That was as much as anything about those two guys had gotten to know each other through some Nike outings and become familiar with each other. And then you look at Derek Mason, an SEC guy, but he has West Coast ties. Obviously, at Stanford, played out on the West Coast, is from there. Gives you a little, a little different feel from, from that perspective as well. But I think it's just a matter of the right fit. You know, you find the right guy that you want to plug in. And I think there's been a lot of interest from coaches all over the country. And so I think he's, you know, hey, taking, taking your time right now because. The most important thing is to get the right hire. Um, timing, yeah, the, if you can do that and get it really early, that's an advantage. But I think the most important thing, especially on a first staff, is to try to get the right guys possible, and I think that's the goal right now for him. Has there been any other rumored names that have been out there floating around for some of these vacant positions that haven't been hired yet that maybe people aren't paying attention to too much? Yeah, I, mean, I think there's there's always a lot of that, but there's not as much as, as – as there is and usually in years past because of the uh, the fact that a lot of these things are happening on Zoom. So there's not a lot of coaches, you know, that are, you know, a lot of those guys could even be at home doing what they do in terms of recruiting. So it's a lot easier to talk to guys, uh, even to do interviews and keep it a little quieter than, than in the past. So I think, you know, right now it's, uh, you know, we've seen obviously Tracy Rocker came up pretty quickly and when it did, it was over with. That's the way kind of this, these searches have been under Brian Harson is boom, a name pops up. And normally when you start hearing about it, that's when it's happening. So uh, I think if you start hearing a name really heavily, then uh, you should start paying attention to it. Right now, you know, a lot of just names being thrown about as guys who are potentials, but I don't think we've heard anything concrete. You brought up recruiting, and people have forgotten about where Auburn finished out in recruiting after that early signing day period. And signing day is only a few weeks away do you, do you think there's going to be some new recruits that are going to enter the, the equation for Auburn moving forward that maybe haven't been recruited by Auburn until this new coaching staff has came into the equation, mainly because you're bringing in a coach from outside the southeast that's now got ties to out west and not really down here. So do you expect Auburn's recruiting to change? I think it'll change somewhat. There'll be some names that are probably familiar, names either maybe from this area that might not have been recruited as much by the previous staff that get a little bit more interest. I think you'll definitely see some names from, from outside the region. Uh, you know, yes, you know, actually, uh, running back from California this morning got an Auburn offer as a 2021 and maybe, it may be too late. But if you look at the opportunity and you go, look, when you step on campus, you're going to be the number three running back before you even take a snap. That's a pretty good selling point, in my opinion. Uh, and so I think, uh, you know, there's going to be some names absolutely that we haven't heard of that maybe you've heard of, but not been associated with Auburn. Uh, that could change, you know, and I think especially because you know, Mike Bobo, Tracy Rocker, Derek Mason, those guys were all recruiting, you know, to the SEC at their previous schools. And so there's going to be some guys that maybe they have some contacts with that uh, that might change some things or maybe because they're at Auburn now might open up some doors. Speaking with Jason Caldwell of Inside the Auburn Tigers, what's the most important thing that Auburn can do on the recruiting trail leading up to signing day is in terms of bringing the right personnel in or just trying to – salvage a class that, that's much lower than what people are used to seeing. Yeah, I think the, the good thing is is that from a star ranking rating standpoint, the class is actually inside the top 20. So they actually got some, some pretty good players signed. They're just not as many of them. So uh, 
I think you look and we're talking about needs. Um, you got to try to get the best player available. I think that's the most important thing. But obviously, you got to you got to have a couple of running backs because you can't go into a season with two. And so, you, know, you got to find a couple of running backs, and you got to attempt to continue to add to the talent level on the offensive line, um, whether that be by transfer. You know, obviously, the signing class would be somebody you probably will be counting on a couple of years down the road. But I think you got to try to beef up that offensive line as much as possible, and you're probably going to try to find another quarterback uh, to give you. Another option there, obviously, um, it may be of the transfer variety to give you a little bit of experience, but uh, I think you look and, and having somebody else that has been there would be ideal, but it's not necessary. You know, Alabama went into a season this year with a true freshman as a backup and a guy who really, never really played as a third-teamer, and uh, and they got through it pretty pretty okay. So I think if in a perfect world, you'd like to do that, but to me, running back, offensive line are the two biggest things. Are there any running back options that are out there that are for the recruiting trail that have happened so far? Um, I know you mentioned that they offered a running back from California earlier. Um, is there anybody who sticks out as someone that Auburn might could target and get in there from this recruiting class? Yeah, you know, they've also uh, you know, they've, they've talked to and spoken to a, a transfer from Buffalo, a guy that has over 2,000 yards in his career. To me, that would be an ideal piece to add would be you know somebody already with experience, and then to bring another high school, bring a high school running back into the fold as well to give you one of both. But I think you look, and to me, that should be a spot where you might have some things pop up. To me, especially in this class, because of the way this 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 class worked, there's going to be a lot more guys to me that maybe get missed out on in this class that turn out to be really good players because of the lack of evaluation by college coaches. Uh, not being able to leave campus, not being able to watch guys in person. I think there's going to be some steals to be had. And, you know, running back may be one of those spots. Armani Goodwin was a guy that, that decommitted recently. Is his name still in the mix at Auburn? Yeah, he actually signed with LSU later that night. So he, oh. is, he is off the board. And, uh, you know, it's unfortunate. I think had, you know, it's part of what you deal with when you have a coaching change, um, knowing that, um, you know, there's going to be some – some casualties along the way had had the coaching staff stayed intact uh, he was prepared to to, to come back and, and sign with Auburn I believe um, and so that you know this was a costly one for Auburn but you know I think you know there's some some other names out there that I think that there'll be good options if Auburn can, uh, can get to them I don't know how I missed that <laughs> I have no idea but it was late once they get to about six o'clock it's, it's kind of late and over with but yeah he, he had already signed that's right well Let's switch it to basketball then. Auburn with a big win last night against Georgia. They they rolled Georgia 95-77. Sharif Cooper continues to dazzle. Um, what, what's the most important thing that you've seen out of out of Sharif Cooper up to this point that's impacting this Auburn basketball program? Yeah, he's a true point guard. Uh, I think that's the biggest thing that you know people talked about. Uh, you know, was missing from this Auburn team when you try to 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 force force a square peg into a round hole. Um, you get you get what we saw from Auburn much of this year, which is at times really good offense, really good ball production. Other times, you know, stagnant and and turnovers. Uh, and you know, Auburn turned the ball over a little bit more last night too. But what you see is is the efficiency on offense when you get into the system when you have a guy that can break things down. And uh, you know, that's the thing for me that he does such a great job of is breaking down the defense, a natural feel for distribution. Um, you know, to me, you know, people asked about, you know, kind of him and Jared Harper during the recruiting process, and I said they're 
they're two different kind of players. You know, most people think oh, they look they look kind of the same size. They'll both play the same way. They don't. Jared was a, a blur in terms of his speed. Um, more of a perimeter shooter. Shreve Cooper is quickness, ball handling, and and distributing the ball and getting people involved. You look and you know his assist totals are, are really high. He can score, but he's not a guy that's going to you know take you know eight or nine threes a game. Uh, his his score is going to be kind of penetrating, get into the lane, and doing those things. And so and he's done that well. And and we haven't seen him and Justin Powell together yet, which to me is is the most intriguing part of this is when you put Sharif Cooper out there and then put you know one of the best shooters we've seen at least early on in his Auburn career, you know, maybe since Wesley Carson, uh, in terms of, you know, his, his range and the things he does, put those two guys together and all of a sudden it's a, it changes the game completely for teams having to defend Auburn and opens up more of those lanes for JT Thor and Dylan Carwell, Jalen Williams, those other guys to get to the rim. Jason, we really appreciate you hopping on the show with us today. Tell everybody where they can find you and all, and all of the great stuff that you're putting out. Yeah, you can check us out at autigers.com. Uh, obviously, that'll get you there, Auburn247. Uh, and also follow me on Twitter at ITATJ. Appreciate it, my man. I hope you have a good afternoon. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. That was Jason Caldwell of Inside the Auburn Tigers, part of the 24-7 Sports Network. We, uh, we'll be back on the other side of this break here on On the Line. On the line on Fox Sports Central Alabama. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Follow us on Twitter at Point Gardner at Levi Fitzwater. You can find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Let's take you through what's on TV tonight. Hey everybody, it's Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. A pair of game shows headline what's going on on ABC tonight. Drew Carey, Terry Hatcher, and Chrissy Metz compete on Celebrity Wheel of Fortune at 7. The Chase follows it at 8. NBC is running a pair of sitcoms starting at 7 with Mr. Mayor. Superstore has a new episode at 7.30. If you've got some time to burn, run through the life of Forrest Gump on AMC at 7. Thursday evening college basketball, Stanford at Utah at 4 on ESPN2. And Washington State at UCLA on FS1 at 6 on ESPNU Longwood at Winthrop at the 8pm time slot number 1 Gonzaga hosts Pepperdine on ESPN San Diego State at Utah State on CBS Sports Network and at 10 BYU at St. Mary's on ESPN2. NBA on TNT has two games starting at 6.30 with the James Harden-less Houston Rockets and the San Antonio Spurs at 9 the Warriors are at the Nuggets I'm Noah Gardner and that's what's on TV tonight Good lineup of college basketball if you like out west, out in the Pac-12. Gonzaga in action tonight, of course, number one team in the country. That'll be good stuff to to look out for tonight on ESPN. The best game tonight, though, in my opinion, is BYU-St. Mary's. Those two WCC teams can play basketball. But, of course, nobody's going to be up around this portion of the country watching some 10 p.m. ESPN2 basketball. Hey, hey. Don't tempt me. Don't forget who you're talking also, to. Don't forget who yeah, you're talking you to. Yeah, you are the night owl. You're, you're the guy who would go to bed at 2 a.m., but... You've also got in the NBA James Harden less Houston Rockets playing without James Harden and so disappointed with what happened with James Harden in, in, in Houston. 
I don't want to say he gave up on him, but you know, he he did say yesterday or maybe two days ago where he's like, I've done everything that I can. It's not fixable. And that's paraphrasing, of course, but he did say I can't fix it. And it's like, oh man, I don't know if I would have said that. I because now watch somebody else go in there and fix it, or just still, like that's the place that you have invested so much time in. That's like that's a saying like I'm giving up on you. Like we're done, we're through, like just just get traded. Just get traded. Maybe maybe that's just a different opinion. Maybe maybe people like him being real about it. Follow ESPN 106.7 on Facebook and Twitter to keep up with the latest going on at the station. On the line, the drive with Bill Cameron, analysis, news, and more. That's all on ESPN 106.7. Find the website on ESPNAU.com. Yeah, yeah, the James Harden stuff, and we won't spend too much time on this, just one thing that I want to make. The James Harden stuff feels like when you're having a breakup and then somebody says something really hurtful to the other person. Like, James Harden saying what he said about Houston feels to me like you break up with somebody and you said you'll never amount to anything you'll never you'll never be anything in life you know you're not going anywhere or insert insult here although it may be true like still hurtful I feel like and and I feel like it isn't maybe maybe not intentionally but it is a knock on Houston the organization maybe not necessarily the city but but definitely the organization and what's been done there it it does feel quite it, it feels like a, a like a very scorned lover like someone who so is I, just, I can't I, I just I can't do this anymore you know <laughs> and instead of instead of saying that it's like you know what well I didn't like you that much anyway I'm out of here I didn't get that vibe I didn't get the I don't like you that much anyway but I, I do get the I do get the vibe like you're, you, I can't do anything else. Like this is it. I'm through. I'm tired. I'm fatigued. <laughs> fatigued. That 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 is the word of the show the today. Fa- fatigued. Fatigued okay? is the ne- fatigued is the word of the day. People here. are fatigued with Tracy Rocker, and then there's also people are you know James Harden is fatigued. I think. I think James Harden was fatigued in Houston, and now he wanted something easier. He didn't want to have to be. I think he likes being the guy because he's a ball-dominant player, but now he's joining two ball-dominant players in, in Brooklyn. So let's see how that works out. Of course, the names and the skill power there in the Eastern Conference, there's no reason why the Nets shouldn't wipe the floor with the, West of the, with the rest of the Eastern Conference. There's no reason why the Brooklyn Nets should not make it to the NBA Finals when you've accumulated that type of payroll I'm, and that type of star power. I'm fatigued with James Harden, and I'm fatigued with Kevin Durant. Who is, has anybody ever had more... I'm like, learning more and more about you. Has every anybody day. ever had the more way way? I need more help than Kevin Durant has his entire sure. career. That's all he does is whine, complain, and try to just get all these players because he's not LeBron and he'll never be LeBron and he wants to be so bad and he's not. He has to go way way wow. to get James Harden. Oh, I'm so sorry, buddy. I'm so sorry. They're they're not gonna win a title. The Nets are done. They're not gonna win a title, and even if they do win, I'm not counting it. I'm, I'm I'm over well, it. How are you not counting it? Like you have I'm to. Over this is an Kevin Durant has no season. rings. No rings. I don't count it. Kevin Durant. I felt bad for him in Oklahoma City because that's a small budget team. That's a small market team, and all he had was Russell Westbrook. And I can't say that's all he had. Who's also overrated. Whatever. But I, I'm just saying that he and and he was going against the Golden State Warriors, which were a super team at the time. I mean, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson. Stephen Curry, they weren't the super team that they became when Kevin Durant went there. When Kevin Durant went to Golden State, that's where I lost. Like, he lost my sympathy. That's it. Not because he decided to go to Golden State. It's because he started to try and play the villain role. And I was like, 
you, you've never been this type of player. And then there's all the stuff about, you know, burner accounts on Twitter and, and then still the incessant complaining. And I'm like, man, you can't get my sympathy anymore. You're about to win a title. Just just own it. Like, you don't have to prove anything to in, anybody. You won an MVP in Oklahoma City. You don't have to prove anything to anybody. And he started acting like a villain he, and, and tried to be something that I felt like he wasn't. I felt like he was a beloved player in the league. If you weren't a LeBron guy, if you weren't a LeBron cultist, as I like to call it, <laughs> then you were a KD guy at the time. And, and now I, I feel like he's no longer he's no longer in that role. And and it really, I, it feels like he's kind of been an afterthought in the NBA in the last year and a half due to the injury. Of course, that will change now that he's playing again. But it's felt like he's kind of been out of the conversation. Let's get out of the NBA here. We got a couple minutes before we go. We'll we'll switch to the NFL. We'll switch pro- professional leagues here. Jaguars are reportedly in advanced talks with Urban Meyer to become their next head coach. Is this a good idea? If you're Urban Meyer, it's a great idea. I mean, you're sitting there with a Jaguars team who's has the number one overall pick. It's going to be Trevor Lawrence. He's Urban Meyer stated on Fox all year about how enamored he is. With Trevor Lawrence, he ranked Trevor Lawrence ahead of Justin Fields all year long. Don't don't buy into the little Ohio State connection. That's that's nothing. That has nothing to do with anything. Trevor Lawrence is his guy. He has the number one pick. He has eleven draft picks, including two first rounds and two second round picks. And you have talent on that roster: DJ Shark. You have Josh Allen, the defensive end. Big game James Robinson, who came out of nowhere this year. C.J. Henderson, first round pick last year. There's young talent on the roster. It's a, it's a bad it's a bad team. Obviously, you go 1-15, you're a bad team. But he has a lot of picks to where he can mold this the way he wants to. Now, other side, is it a good pick for the Jaguars? Is it a good fit for the Jaguars to hire him? I don't know. We've never seen Urban Meyer at the NFL level, so we don't know what he will do as an NFL head coach. I mean, the greatest college football coach of all time struggled in the NFL, and Nick Saban. So you don't know what Urban Meyer is going to do the only thing I hold my hat on is he has played with less talent before. A lot of people will harp on the Floridas and the Ohio States and say he always had uber-talented teams, but you forget he got it started Bowling Green. You, you're not getting anybody to come to Bowling Green that you were going to get. You're not getting that talent. And he played at Utah when you, Utah was still in the Mountain West Conference, obviously not getting the most talent. I mean, he had Alex Smith, but I mean, I don't know. At the end of the day, it's about Jimmy's and Joe's. And then also in the league, I think X's and O's play a big part. But Jimmy's and Joe's are going to win you ball games. The Jaguars are going to have to get some more Jimmy's and some more Joe's. Second hour of On the Line coming up after this break. You are On the Line live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 106.7. Listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Hour number two of On the Line, Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater with you on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM. 
We want you to join the show. Call in. Talk to us today. Auburn basketball dominated Georgia. We've seen some Alabama basketball players, or excuse me, Alabama football players, that is, take off for the NFL draft. We've got Tracy Rocker news. Auburn football announces him as their defensive line coach. There's a lot. So call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Really smart thing that someone could do with the phone numbers. Set it as a contact in your phone. Set it as a contact in your phone. That would be a great thing to do. So all you have to do is pull up, hey, on the line, and then dial it up and call it when you want to talk to us. So once again, those phone numbers, 334-321-1390 or 888-382-7502. Anything that you want to talk about. We'll start the show back off talking about how we began the show today with Auburn basketball dominating Georgia 95-77 to in Athens. I called my shot yesterday on the show and said that Auburn was going to carry that same energy that they had against Alabama. They were going to go into Athens and they were going to blow the doors off of Georgia's gymnasium. They were going to run the dogs out of Athens on their home floor. And what happened? They did just that and they did it behind Sharif Cooper's 28 points 12 assists, 5 rebounds, 2 or 3 steals. Just another outstanding performance for the freshman. Only 2 games into his career. I'm, I'm, beginning to, I'm beginning to possibly shift. If he keeps doing this in college, we may not see him next year. Maybe he is a one and done. I, I don't want to go that far, though. I, I hope not. But we've got Paul on the line with us joining into the show now, calling. And once again, if you want to join the show, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. Paul on the line with us. Paul, how you doing today? Great. War Eagle, guys. Quick question about Cooper. He definitely is one and done. If he doesn't go, he, he's insane to pass up the kind of money he'll get paid. He, he may be the best we've had here. I know he's the best we've had in a long time. Sure. If he, if he had started out the year... What games do we lose? I feel like we would have lost Gonzaga. That I would definitely agree on the Gonzaga one. I don't think Auburn loses to UCF. I'm trying to go and pull up Auburn's schedule so that I can get exactly all of those losses in front of me. The one, you know, we may not win the Ole Miss game because we just don't play them very well. Sure, and they they seem to have Auburn's number these past couple of years. So I'm getting the schedule up right now in front of me. I, I don't think but they lose to UCF. I don't think we UCF. lose the Alabama game because he, you know, we play a whole lot better. Sure. It's not, not the first time out with it. I think Auburn beats Texas A&M. I think Auburn probably does beat Ole Miss, even though that game traditionally, you know, you look at that game traditionally, you are right. Ole Miss, you know, they play Auburn twice every year, and they typically do give Auburn a hard time, at least during Bruce Pearl's tenure they have. I might get there with you on the Alabama game as well. I mean, Alabama it has been playing really well, and if that's the same Alabama team going into that game and maybe Auburn's feeling a lot more comfortable with Sharif Cooper at that point, maybe Auburn does pull that one out. I think for sure losses that I would take off the board, A&M and UCF, I'm a little bit more iffy on Arkansas because of their experience. There's still just something about this Auburn team that for some reason they can't quit turning the basketball over, and Arkansas does a really good job of forcing of – forcing pressure and getting points off of turnover so I think Auburn probably still loses to Arkansas and I think I'll probably still keep the Alabama loss because I think more so me more so than most people I'm giving this Alabama team a lot of credit right now do we have the ability to play in the SEC tournament or did we forfeit that right when we said no postseason play to my knowledge that that was forfeited so and that's unfortunate because I think this Auburn team at the end of the year is 
is probably going to be hot and dangerous and will be coming from a lower seed because they put themselves four games in the hole. But they would be dangerous for, for any team that they would play in the SEC tournament because this team fears nobody. Thank you, guys. War Eagle. Appreciate it, Paul. Once again, thank you to Paul for calling it today on On the Line. I think this is a good discussion here. Once again, if you guys want to call in, ask us any questions, we'll talk about it. Steer the conversation the way you want it to. This is a show for the people out there. So, once again, that, that's how we build it when we came in. If if there's something you want to talk about, once again, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. Put that number in your context, too. I think that's a great idea to do that. Just put it under On the Line or ESPN 106.7 or Fox Sports Central Alabama. That's the phone number to call. I like that question. little unprepared for my answer there. I think I can chalk two losses off for sure. I don't think A&M and UCF are losses if Sharif Cooper plays. That UCF game was really ugly. One of the worst. That was Tony Barbie era level of basketball from both of those teams. It was nasty to watch. I would take those two off if Sharif Cooper's out there. Ole Miss probably as well because I don't think this Ole Miss team's very very good either. They're in the bottom of the SEC. They've only won one SEC game as well, right? Or did they beat Florida the other night? Uh, they ended up losing to Florida. Okay, so, so only, yeah. We're the only one. Um, I agree with you with UCF and AM. I think both of those losses, I think they both come off. Again, Ole Miss, I'm, I lean towards it. It's not as, I'm not as confident in taking that one off as I am with AM and UCF. But I, I don't think they beat Arkansas. I agree with you on that one. I think me and you are kind of aligned with what we believe in. And then Alabama's another fringe one just because the problem in the Alabama game was just a few mental errors you know not getting back on defense it's the same and, issue as the Arkansas game and defense and turnovers yeah and then shrinking down the stretch with Alabama as well not being able to play that moment if maybe if Sharif Cooper has played all year maybe he's a little bit more confident going into that game down the stretch or maybe he has been in that situation before and is a little bit more comfortable with it at the collegiate level so same as in the Arkansas game yeah the, those are like identical games other than Auburn Found a way still to just stick around at the Alabama game. Obviously, they didn't lose by 12 like they did Arkansas, but that Arkansas game was closer than 12 points. Oh, yes. I'm having a really hard time answering that question on those two games because I don't know what this team looks like 10 games from now with Shreve Cooper. I think I would better have an answer to that question at the end of this season when I see what Auburn basketball has become at the end of it all let's bookmark it let's think about it. We'll bookmark it for later as well. And then we'll whenever. Give me a pen and I'll write it down. And then whenever. There we go. And then whenever uh, we see 10 games from now with Sharif Cooper, then we can go back and see what the first 10 games would have been. Again, we still think we lose to Gonzaga. Every, I think everybody agrees that Gonzaga is just an absolute monster this year, and it's going to be one. one I don't know if they'll lose. I, I don't know if they will either. I mean, if Of they, course, the tournament's not been kind to them, but I still don't know if they'll lose. Yeah, I don't think Gonzaga loses. They've been thumping everybody. At least it's, not in the regular season, they won't. Yeah, I agree with that. I think they might go undefeated regular season. Uh, we might see a team, if I'm not mis- what was that, 2012-2013, uh, if I'm not mistaken, when they went into the tournament undefeated or one loss. I think we'll see a team akin with that Gonzaga team. and That team lost in the tournament, too, pretty early on. So You also can't say that COVID's going to mess anything up this year for any of these basketball teams because they suspend the game. They either postpone it or cancel it altogether now if – somebody gets COVID like one player that's it football that didn't happen basketball if something happens inside the program squashed and for some of these groups for more than a week or two weeks they're not playing basketball so I don't think you can say COVID's going to mess up the Gonzaga basketball season 
and they are this is this team's as good as like the Rui Hachimura teams and, and some of those before it I mean that the guy with the giant beard that was seven foot something what was his name again that mm. was the team that won the, the the championship who was that why am I forgetting that's how I feel too I know I, I have a picture of him in my head you're gonna go look that up now I have that picture of him in my head yeah, Google this. bushy-haired beard Gonzaga <laughs> Ford. Let's see if it if it if it brings it up. Shockingly, yep, there it is. Jimmy Karnowski. <laughs> Karnowski, that's what it was. Karnowski. Yeah. If if someone's beaten this Gonzaga team throughout the rest of the year, I mean, St. Mary's has had their number a few times. Not really. Maybe at BYU could give sure. them a scare, but maybe I. Zach Collins too was a part of that Gonzaga team as well. So a lot of good. I mean, there's been a lot of good Gonzaga teams. They're one of the best programs in the nation in terms of basketball over the past, what, 10 years at least minimum. And you can even go say they're a top, you know, 15, 25 program if you extend it past that. So, yeah, uh, I don't know if Gonzaga loses a regular season game just looking at it. Um, yeah, I don't think they lose a game the rest of the way. I'm going to say that if they do, it'll be BYU or St. Mary's if I had to take a guess. But it's a good team. Auburn, should, Auburn has no uh, reason for concern for getting thumped like that, and I don't think Sharif Cooper playing would have impacted that game at all. And that's not a knock against Sharif Cooper. We've we've gushed and been enamored with how great he has been his first two games. It's just this is this is a team. This is a good team in Gonzaga. That game doesn't change at all. I really liked that question. Appreciate it, Paul. Thanks for calling in to On the Line. And once again, if folks want to call in, 321-1390 or 888-382-7502. We'll bookmark that and come back to that at the end of the year. Hopefully, remember, I've taken a note down. We'll tuck that away. We'll pull it back out at the end of basketball season and answer the question of how many games Auburn would have lost if Sharif played all year. I think right now I'm very willing to say that Auburn would not have lost to UCF at Texas A&M when you look at those margins. It's hard for me to evaluate. And then I'll also go as far as to say that with Ole Miss. I don't think Ole Miss is a very good basketball team. Auburn struggling on the offensive end in that game because no Justin Powell, no anybody, and they still only lost by nine, and they played a better second half than they did in the first half. So I'll say that Auburn beats Ole Miss as well in that event. So there, there are at least three losses less off of this, which would change their record right now to 10-3 and three overall, which is a big difference when you're evaluating this Auburn team. They also aren't 1-4 and four in conference play either. You give them you know, two more SEC wins right there and two less. So They'd be, what, 3-2 and two in SEC play at the moment with their only losses to Alabama and Arkansas. And those are the two that I think it's hard to evaluate when you're talking about what's happened to the SEC because I don't know what this team looks like 10 games from now with Sharif Cooper. We, we opened the show talking about Auburn's performance against Georgia last night. They still had 21 turnovers. They shot the ball 56% from the floor, so efficiency was there when they were able to get a good look. But part of also offensive efficiency and what goes into those metrics when you're talking about efficiency margins and stuff that's on kimpom.com turnovers hurt that turnovers is that that's not an efficient offensive look and so whereas Auburn has been great at getting good looks down low Sharif Cooper's changed the game with his passing his passing ability is akin to the likes of Drew Brees and Tom Brady you know that's the football comp I would make it is effortless passing effortless vision Sharif Cooper is finding everybody on the floor. I feel like I just triggered you. I, I can see it in your eyes because I know the Saints play the Buccaneers this Saturday or Sunday. It's don't, Sunday, Don't right? you dare speak of the GOAT <laughs> in the same sentence with Tom with Brady. Tom Brady. Sure. 
Don't you dare disrespect uh, Drew like that. But Sharif Cooper, um, I, I think, you know, you look at what he's done with his passing, that's helping Auburn in terms of field goal percentage, but still the turnovers all across the board for this Auburn team. And maybe that improves when Justin Powell comes back because now they won't ever have to go without having a point guard on the floor. But still, I don't know if that – at the end of this year, if that has not been worked out of their game, then you're just going to have to chalk it up to the fact that they were a young team this year and you really hope that next year that's not a factor. You really hope that Sharif Cooper comes back to next for next year. I went into yesterday saying that I didn't think Sharif Cooper would go to the NBA mainly because of his height being undersized and that he's probably pretty low on draft boards right now. He's probably on the peripheral. He may be a first-round look or a first-round evaluation from NBA scouts out there, but people didn't know if he was going to play this year, and I don't think he gets drafted if he doesn't play basketball this season in college, and I think he for sure would have came back. But now after you see what he's doing, he could be moving up. If he keeps doing this all year long, by the end of the season, he will have moved up draft boards. Of course, the biggest drawbacks on him, he's not really showcasing a great three-point shot at the moment. That's going to be an issue for NBA teams, especially at the guard position. NBA teams want guards that can shoot. I also have questions about his defense. I think that that has yet to be I – would, I would grade him at like a B-minus on defense, maybe a C-plus. I don't think he's showcasing anything out of the ordinary – out of the ordinary of the average college basketball player on the defensive side of the ball and I don't think many of these Auburn players are at the moment then again they did they did well against Georgia last night for the most part still gave up 77 points though Georgia's a good offensive team they held them to 41 percent from the floor block party it's the rim protect rim protectors that are doing great it's the guards that I'm not as much in love with their defense Alan Flanagan's pretty much the only one on that perimeter where I'm like yeah that that guy can lock down an NBA player Sharif Cooper I don't think that he can take on really any of the guards in the NBA yet. So that's another thing that you have to look at. So NBA teams, I think, are going to love his vision, are going to love his offensive ability. The question are the questions are centering around three-point shooting, defense, and then his size. He could move up draft boards, though. You really can if he keeps doing what he's doing. If you drop 28 and 12 every night in college basketball – and you are a five-star recruit, you're, you're going to be on draft boards at the end of the year. Someone's going to look at you. So, someone's going to be put on notice if they see you doing that every I night. I think teams are already put on notice. His dad's also an NBA agent. I, 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 should, I probably shouldn't be mentioning that right now, considering that was the center of his eligibility. But, of course, you know his, his name's going to be in the NBA community. People know who Sharif Cooper is. People know. especially. I mean, when you do this night in and night out, People are going to notice that then you have that NBA connection that he already has. If he went to Kentucky, he's a one-and-done because that's the one-and-done factory of college basketball. He didn't go to Kentucky. The other thing that I evaluate with Sharif Cooper is how much or how badly does he want to play with the crew that's coming in next year? Does playing in an NCAA tournament and having a shot to win a championship – because this Auburn team has a shot to win a national championship next year. I don't think that's a stretch. People may be – furrowing their brows at me right now but I, I think this team has a shot at winning a national championship next year I think they're a top 10 team now of course it's really difficult to win a national championship in college basketball but I think with the talent they have on the roster with a five-star recruit coming in a top five recruit coming in the highest rated recruit ever in Auburn history coming in with Sharif Cooper still there if he comes back this team for sure has a chance to win a national championship and they'll have experience so they'll have experience mixed with high-powered, high-quality recruits that will go on to the NBA. Auburn could have next year two guys drafted in the first round. 
two. It's crazy. If to Sharif think of. Cooper were to come crazy back, crazy to think of. And I also think Alan Flanagan can get onto draft boards next year. No better than a second round pick, I don't think. But I think he could get onto draft boards, especially if the team around him performs well. And like you said, they have a shot at a title. They have a shot at a championship, which means their floor seems to be a pretty decent run in the tournament. And so, everybody watches the tournament. So when you're talking about Sharif Cooper to the NBA, how much does he weigh being able to play for a championship, not having a postseason there, that probably is pretty sour for a guy because I think he wants to play in college. There's Obviously, he stuck around during all of that mess that was occurring about his eligibility. He stuck around. And you can see how much it means to the team and how much it means to him to be playing. I also think he loves Auburn. I think that's all of those things that you have to weigh. But then again, you also have to weigh on the other end of the scale. Money. Money, the fame, the fortune, the league. You have to think about all that. And that's yeah. that's hard to pass up sometimes. Sure. And, and you talk about a guy like Austin Wiley, who everybody thought was one and done after his first half season. Of course, he wasn't going to go after his first half because he enrolled early. But everybody thought the next year. And then guess what? Things sidetracked that. NCAA violations, possibly, or an investigation getting suspended he also had injuries marking his career and then guess what he ended up being a, a four-year guy and what is he playing in Germany right now I think I think he's playing in Germany I think he recently just signed there so talk about Austin Wiley like he could have let I mean if you leave early enough it's rolling a dice if you don't leave it really is because you could get hurt a number of things could occur and so that money that that that's why on one end of the scale it is enough to stand alone versus the other things like you know, you love where you're playing at, you love your university, you want to compete for a championship. Time will tell with Sharif Cooper, but I don't think it's a press, uh, it's not a pressing issue at the moment. It will become one come, coming towards March and the end of the year when Auburn's season ends, which is not that long from now. I mean, it's only a month and a half before Auburn's season's over with. Then it'll be a more pressing issue and something that we'll be talking about, but we'll also have enough tape on Sharif Cooper to evaluate him as an NBA prospect and maybe we'll have seen more development. If his three-point shot comes around, I don't know. He'll be when it's, I say I don't know, hard. I do know. He'll be he'll be a, he'll be a first round he'll be a first round mock. If he does this with a three-point shot and just uh, improves the perimeter defense a little bit, man, that's a first round pick. Because his pass his passing's not going anywhere. I, I I'm also curious to see how teams something else that has to be accounted for. We've yet to see teams adjust for him yet. Kentucky's got the talent to adjust for him I, I I that's something that we've got to evaluate this Saturday is going to be interesting Kentucky's got the talent and the coaching staff to be able to make adjustments based off of the sample size that they have for him already after the Alabama game you haven't seen enough of Sharif Cooper yet it's like in the NFL second year you see guys have sophomore slumps yeah you see guys have sophomore slumps in the NFL because guys got tape on you they got film, film. yep and that that's a film drop-off I'm curious to see if we see a film drop-off for teams being able to adjust from tendencies that Sharif Cooper will show he hasn't shown enough he has not played enough games to show tendencies yet on tape two may be enough two may not be enough by the end of this year he'll have shown it and teams will have been able to key in on it at least or try to and if he's torched teams all year long then he might be ready to make that next step but we're ready to take it to the next segment of on the line we'll be back on the other side of this commercial break You're on the line with Noah Garner and Levi Fitzwater. Joining the show at 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. 
Once again, we appreciate Paul for calling in last segment. He started up a really good conversation for us about Sharif Cooper and how many games Auburn would have lost or would have lost if or wouldn't have lost rather if Sharif Cooper had been playing since game one that also took us in and we we went in and after we addressed that we went into a new direction about Sharif Cooper going to the NBA and this has been a hot topic of conversation maybe we've talked about it more than most people have but it's a hot topic for conversation because people want to know and people are afraid Auburn gets a new guy a new shiny thing that's a star they're like okay how long is he going to be here especially with basketball people and it, it's cool for Auburn basketball to have a one and done I'm not a huge fan of one and done factories in college basketball because it doesn't win you championships what's cooler you see a guy drafted in the NBA or you see Auburn one day in April winning a national championship I think it's cooler you see Auburn winning a national championship in basketball because growing up I never thought I'd see that Growing up, I never thought I'd see Auburn in a Final Four. It's Auburn basketball is capable of winning a national championship next year. So Sharif Cooper returning to the Plains would be huge because he would spearhead that front. Then if he doesn't return, you're talking about the development of Justin Powell being able to take over point guard role because there's no other point guard on the roster at the moment. And with Turbo Jones leaving the program, I wonder if recruitment's going to open up maybe for possibly a grad transfer at that position to try and generate a little bit more experience. All that will be decided as Sharif Cooper, you know, makes decisions at the end of the year. He may have no intentions whatsoever of going to the NBA next year. Maybe people that are asking or expecting him to go to the league know absolutely nothing at all. And I think that I think that's the truth. Even as analysts, even as us with a microphone in front of us, with the ability to publicly make opinions known, I'm not an NBA scout. I don't have any connections to NBA front offices. I don't know what these NBA teams are, are seeing right now or what they're thinking. I don't have that type of connection. So this is truly just me evaluating what we've seen as him as a basketball player and how I think it would translate to the NBA with his skill set. And there's one thing about the NBA that rings true, really, compared to the NFL draft and why people don't get as you don't see you see a ton of NFL draft analysts out there. You don't see nearly as many people with NBA draft websites or as error with NBA draft opinions, right? I mean, of course, draft day is fun in the NBA, but and lottery day is fun when you find out where people are drafting. But the NFL drafts a discussion year round, twenty four seven year round. The NBA draft is not the same way, and maybe the the sports just not as popular as the NFL. I don't know, but the NBA draft is so much about reputation and athleticism. And the NFL is about athleticism too, but not as much about reputation. And what I mean by the NBA draft is so much about reputation is you can go into college basketball before you even step onto campus. Say you're going to Kentucky, Arizona, Duke. You're going to one of those teams that are that are perennial NBA teams in college basketball. Before you even step on campus, if, if when you were a high school senior – and you were a top 10 prospect in, in, in college, like Jalen Green, for instance. Auburn fans are familiar with Jalen Green, top five overall recruit that was considering Auburn over the summer, opted to go with the G League. Jalen Green is mocked right now as a top seven draft pick, and he's playing limited basketball at the moment because the G League's not playing as many games as you would in a college basketball season, or at least those development teams. That's what I mean about reputation. Like Nothing what happens when those guys step onto campus and what they do in their college basketball season matters now of course if they play horribly then they won't make it but they're not going to play horribly they're going to because they're more athletic than the guys in front of them 
mostly when they play, on average, they're going to do just fine. But Scal Labissiere at Kentucky, if many people remember him, now he was several years ago. He was you know five, six years ago, maybe even longer than that now. Scal Labissiere is a guy that I always use an example for this. Scal Labissiere had a bad college basketball season. He still went pro. It gets drafted 17th overall or something like that. Can you Google that for me real quick? He gets drafted 17th overall to the Trailblazers, I, I think. And it's like he did not have a good year in college basketball for Kentucky. But why did they draft him? 28. He, 28, really? Oh, I thought he went 17th. Okay, well, he still gets drafted in the first round. And where did he go? He got picked by the Kings, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, that's right. Okay, I, I'm, I, it was somebody out I west. Say, it's actually not up yet. I just I think that's what I remember. Yeah, he did get drafted by the Kings. Okay, it was somebody out west. And where's he playing now? He's playing. I, let's see where he's playing at right now. I don't think he, he might not even be in the league. Oh, he's on the. He was on the Trailblazers last. Right. Stint. See, that's why I was thinking that. So he was with the Trailblazers previously, even if he was drafted by the Kings. He signed a. He signed with the Knicks in December and then was waived. Two days later. Boom. Out of league. Gets drafted in the first round. Why did he get drafted after he had a bad college basketball season? Because he had the reputation going into the college basketball season that this guy was an NBA player. And NBA front offices have hubris. So do NFL front offices. But professional league front offices have hubris, pride. They, They believe that they can change you. They believe they can develop you. And sometimes they can. But it's so much harder to improve your draft stock in college basketball than it is to to do it in the NFL because there are just these preconceived notions that these guys are can't-miss guys. So Sharif Cooper's playing an uphill battle right now, I think, on draft boards. More of On the Line on the other side of this break. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Call into the show at 321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. We appreciate Jason Caldwell joining us on the show earlier today at 2.30. We had a good discussion with him about recruiting, the latest hires with Auburn football, and then also we got into a little bit of basketball with Sharif Cooper. That's all people want to talk about right now. If you missed that conversation, go and find the podcast wherever you get your podcast iTunes, Google Podcasts, you can go and find it wherever you get your podcast. Follow Fox Sports Central Alabama on Facebook to keep up with the latest going on in sports. On the line, The Drive with Bill Cameron, analysis, news, and more. All on Fox Sports Central Alabama on FoxSports983.com and on Facebook. That's FoxSports983.com heavily talked about Sharif Cooper here I want to revisit the discussion that we had before we went to break and and finally put a seal on that point and then no more Sharif Cooper NBA talk on the show at least for today so the point I was trying to make is people's reputations going into an NBA season or, or going into an NBA draft season matters a whole lot more than people's reputations going into an NFL draft season you can move up four rounds, five rounds, go from undrafted to being you know, a third-round pick in an NFL draft cycle 
just over the span of one year. You can't do that in one season in college basketball. And, and of course, there are only two rounds, obviously, but as far as the equivalent of what that would be as far as picks, it's so hard to elevate yourself from barely getting drafted as a second-round guy into the first round. It's so hard. And, of course, Sharif Cooper isn't a part of that discussion. He probably is a first-round talent, but the reputation maybe from having not have played this past year, it's harder, I think, for Sharif Cooper to build his draft stock up from you know in the 20s into you know a top 10 location or or, or where some real substantial money is of course I think with him playing right now he's a guy that can lift his his ability up but there's some guys in front of him that are just they're locked in like Jalen Green's not moving out of the top seven nothing will happen to change Jalen Green from being a top five or a top seven pick and he's not playing college basketball this year I used Scalabissier as an example last segment. Bad college basketball season, still gets drafted in the first round. And now he's out of the NBA. He got waived. It happens all the time. And Auburn still isn't yet an NBA stalwart, an NBA factory for players. And I'm not even talking about it from, from a one-and-done sense. I'm just saying Auburn's not Auburn has not cultivated that type of relationship and, and that type of connection or reputation with the league yet. It's getting there, I think. There's been one guy for two years in a row that Auburn's had drafted. There are other guys that are on rosters right now. Jared Harper, Bryce Brown, they're in the Knicks organization. So there are the, – the numbers are growing for Auburn in the league. And if Auburn – Auburn could have two guys drafted in two years again. Auburn could have four guys in four years drafted. If Sharif Cooper went this year, I think he, I think he would get drafted. I just don't know where in the first round if it's worth it. You could increase into a lottery maybe if you stay another year and play a full year and torch it up. It's so hard – to evaluate that in college basketball because the next new shiny thing comes around and everybody just keeps them locked in in this in the lottery they don't move that you don't really see guys fall off the map it's just so hard people will still just draft off of pure boom you're athletic you've got NBA athleticism come on down you may have you may have stunk offensively in college but you may have no shot whatsoever you may have no jump shot come on down man We'll try and we'll try and change you. There's just a lot of hubris in uh, there's a lot of hubris in the NBA to be able to develop guys. And so with Sharif Cooper, he may not fit exactly what I'm saying, but I do think there's some guys locked in there that he may not be able to crack into that lottery. He may not. And if, is it worth it for you to go if you're not getting that lottery money? And I'm I'm sure the answer maybe there is, is it is worth it because you're at least getting some NBA money and you avoid injury in college and you can go ahead and get into the league and then you can go from there. It's just. It, it, it's so hard to evaluate Sharif Cooper NBA, and it is early. And so maybe we've maybe we've talked about it a little bit too much. I don't think we've talked about it too much. This is the guy at Auburn basketball right now. This is and, what people want to know. And he has NBA pedigree. I mean, he has an NBA shot. I mean, CBS has him around 22nd on their big board right now. So and when was it? Do you have it? I've, that, done, I've done this to you again. You yes. did this the other day. This is probably, I think this is. December? Probably December. This is a different one I brought up the other day. No, this one was actually five hours ago. And they've got him at 22? Mm-hmm. Okay. So this one, and this is just a big board, not a mock draft of any sort. So this is just the 22nd best prospect for anybody who's not familiar out there. How many point guards board. are in front of him? Let's see. I can see one for sure right by him. One. We got two, three, four. Four point guards in front of him. So the fifth best point guard, according to CBS. And that's that just kind of goes with what we're saying. It's going to be hard, hard for him to really get ahead of some of those guys who are locked in. I mean, Cade Cunningham's more than likely going to be the number one pick in this NBA draft playing point guard. 
So, I mean, you're not going to outshine him. I think he benefits a lot from staying an extra year. I think, and again, that... I don't think he has to jump point guards, though. I just think he has to jump prospects. Once you get out of the lottery, or really outside of the top seven, top eight, guys are drafting best available. A lot of teams don't even draft. A lot of teams just draft best available. They don't really draft off a position need until you really get late in the first round, or probably probably in those 20s, because that's when those teams are already already succeeding, already have good Mm -hmm. rosters, already winning games, and they're just trying to fill needs. And so really once you get into the 20s, teams are filling it based off needs. That's probably, if you're wanting to go to a good location, Sharif Cooper probably would want to get drafted at that point, and, and, and that offsets the money there because you could end up being successful. I mean, there's, uh, for some reason, the Virginia guard that went to the Bucks. Why, why am I, uh, why am I Malcolm drawing a, Yeah, Malcolm Brogdon. Brogdon gets drafted late in the, uh, is a later pick Rookie in of the, the year. NBA draft, <laughs> and he ends up being a stud in the NBA because he goes to a good location with some, you know, relatively good players around him, you know, yeah. Asante Tacumpo, you know, Chris Middleton. He's, he's, he's okay. He's yeah, got some, he's got some guys to pass to, you know. Giannis so, is kind of okay. It's a mixed bag with Sharif Cooper to NBA. One thing's for sure, though, if he is if he is indeed on draft boards that high after what we're seeing at the end of the year, if he keeps doing what he's doing, he's in the conversation, and there will be a real a real decision to be made, and it'll come down to NBA aspirations versus do you want to stay at Auburn to get a full college basketball season under your belt? Do you want to compete for a championship at Auburn? Do you want to go play with some of those guys that are coming in, top five overall uh, top five overall recruit coming in I mean they're, they're, that that's the types of things that he'll have to weigh all right let's change the discussion here Daquan Newkirk announced today that he was headed to, that he's headed to Florida to join the Florida Gators defensive line what do you think about this because and and guys can make whatever decision they want to make guys are able to make whatever decision they want to make I'm not ever I will never dog a guy for choosing if they'll flip from a, from one place to another as a recruit I will never dog a guy for choosing to go to a place I just thought this was interesting news today that he's going to a, that he's going to another major program in the SEC, and I wonder how that sits in the locker room. Do you think that that do, do you think it it carries at all with any guys in, in a locker room? I don't I don't think it carries it, anymore. It, Maybe like twenty years ago it would have, but I, agree. I don't think it does anymore. I think I think times have changed. I agree that I think everybody's buddy buddy now. Yeah, I agree. Twenty years ago, I think it was a big thing. Like you don't want to quit the whole I don't want to quit on my teammates narrative. That's kind of out of the question because if your goal is to either A, win a title in college, or B, make it to the next level, the NBA, or NBA, the NFL. We see we talked about Sharif Cooper for so so much, now (laughs) I'm saying the NBA. But if you want to make it to the league and go to the NFL, which that is the main goal for a lot of guys. They don't honestly care about the title in college football as much as, you know, the future, the NFL. And if you want to put yourself in the best situation to get yourself drafted, sometimes you got to make that move. Sometimes it's coaching changes. Coaches flip all the time. Sometimes programs get rid of coaches. So, I mean, you can't knock. I think people are starting to realize, hey, can't really knock a guy for wanting to go play elsewhere. Maybe it wasn't working out. Maybe he wants to go get more play in time. You saw Jalen Hurts last year go to Oklahoma, light it up, and he flipped that into a second-round pick So and was the starter for the Eagles down the stretch. Maybe a change of scenery is what Newkirk needs to get a little bit of production out of him because he didn't – he wasn't – a production machine last year he didn't do too much so maybe this is good for him I don't think it matters in the locker room at all I don't think guys care anymore I think I think everybody understands like hey we just kind of want to make it to the next level and if that's the best situation for you by all means man go for it yeah I don't think people take it personal anymore I think everybody's buddy buddy too like across teams yeah Auburn and Alabama is a unique situation. I do think that there are some players that are friends 
with other players on SEC rivals. Like, I think there are some Auburn players that have buddies that play at Alabama, LSU, and Georgia, and it's hard not to. I mean, a lot of them played high school ball with each other. They know each other. They were being recruited together. They probably tried to recruit each other to each of those locations. They get along. They're friends. But at the end of the day, when you, when you strap on the pads and you get out there on the field, that changes when you're on the field. But outside of that, I still feel like everybody's looking out for each other for the most part. I, I don't think that anybody gets upset or uptight anymore. It's not like it was 20 years ago. Athletes have changed the way they think have changed. The NBA is another great example. We have harped on the NBA today, but man, it trans a lot of the things that have happened in the NBA from like an NBA culture standpoint. Like everybody's friends in the NBA. Everybody's trying to team up. Rivalries don't exist anymore at the professional level. There's very few, of course, between fan bases, sure. But the NBA really, I don't, I don't get into the rivalries even between fan bases. I don't even think to a degree that that's even that heavy anymore. NFL, I think even rivalries only exist in name. Of course, you call each other divisional rivals, but really it's between the fan bases. The players don't really get into it because one year one guy could be playing for one one year one guy could be playing for the Cleveland Browns. The next year they could be playing for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Really good example of that, Joe Hayden. Joe Hayden was a really good Cleveland Browns cornerback. He flips and turn coats to the Pittsburgh Steelers. The fans are going to feel some kind of way about that. But these players change teams yeah. so often, you you don't just get glued to your team's colors all the way through. So so culturally, things have changed in athletics for guys. I, I don't think that this means anything other than he's going to play football in Florida and he's trying to get to the next level and he's trying to get some development and best of luck to him i hope it i hope the move is successful you always want to see a young man succeed at the collegiate level and benefit himself later on so again i wish the best for him i hope this is the position that he puts himself in to make that next leap one more segment and on the line the drive's coming up in 15 minutes you're going to want to stay with us here on on the line on the line on fox sports central alabama on 98.3 FM and ESPN 106.7. Wrapping up on the line here with you on Fox Sports Central Alabama and ESPN 106.7. Last segment here of the show. We got the drive with Bill Cameron coming up after us. In 12 minutes here at the top of the hour, that's what everybody will hear. We got four hours of local sports talk radio every day on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. That's that's every weekday, that is. It's so easy to say every day because we're so locked into our work schedule. But getting off of the work schedule, let's take a look at what's on TV tonight. Hey everybody, it's Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. A pair of game shows headline what's going on on ABC tonight. Drew Carey, Terry Hatcher, and Chrissy Metz compete on Celebrity Wheel of Fortune at 7. The Chase follows it at 8. NBC is running a pair of sitcoms starting at 7 with Mr. Mayor. Superstore has a new episode at 7.30. If you've got some time to burn, run through the life of Forrest Gump on AMC at 7. Thursday evening, college basketball, Stanford at Utah at 4 on ESPN2. And Washington State 
State at UCLA on FS1, at 6 on ESPNU, Longwood at Winthrop, at the 8 p.m. time slot, number one Gonzaga hosts Pepperdine on ESPN, San Diego State at Utah State on CBS Sports Network, and at 10, BYU at St. Mary's on ESPN2. NBA on TNT has two games starting at 6.30 with the James Harden-less Houston Rockets and the San Antonio Spurs. At 9, the Warriors are at the Nuggets. I'm Noah Gardner, and that's what's on TV tonight. Last night on TV, you were able to watch Auburn basketball thump Georgia 95-77 to in Athens. And something that I said yesterday that we'll just kind of begin previewing this Kentucky game as we wrap up the show here. Just a little bit of a sneak peek of tomorrow's show as we'll really deep dive in to the Auburn-Kentucky matchup for Saturday. I said this Georgia win would propel Auburn into a streak with Kentucky looming on Saturday. I was right about the Georgia win, so I'm going to stick to it. I'm going to say that Auburn's going to beat Kentucky on Saturday. I'll stick to that tomorrow, and I'll really get into the nuts and bolts with it on tomorrow's show. But looking at Kentucky right now, and the biggest reason why I think this Auburn team is going to have a good shot, I think it's a good matchup for Auburn's defense. I don't think that they're facing a Kentucky team that's overly high-powered on the offensive end of the floor. They're struggling right now on offense. You go and look at the fact that they scored 65 on Alabama and Alabama does play good defense and they are a top 20 team I think in the country right now despite not being ranked I think they're top 20 caliber in this country with the way that they're playing as a team at the moment a big reason why they're not ranked is because of some of their losses in non-conference play the first thing I look at when a team is struggling on offense I go to the guard play college basketball is so important how are your guards playing for you Kentucky had 19 turnovers against Alabama their starting two guards only had two turnovers or excuse me they had three guards to start my bad across all guards for Kentucky they had nine turnovers nine of the 19 came from Kentucky guards even outside that though the other 10 turnovers which when you look at the stat sheet it looks really heavy amongst Fords those other 10 turnovers oftentimes when your offense isn't in a rhythm and guards aren't controlling the game and guards aren't guards aren't the ones making the decisions other guys are going to feel uncomfortable other guys are going to feel out of rhythm they're going to be in situations that they that they're just not going to excel in we saw that with Auburn a lot guys put into positions where they're they don't feel comfortable Auburn's Fords have been in that and they've turned the basketball over a lot Kentucky 19 turnovers and their Fords are being put in some unfortunate situations of course their front court is scoring the basketball great right now Kentucky they had uh, amongst their front court players doing the math quick in my head right now they had 35 points come from Fords against Alabama that's more than half of the points that they had against the Crimson Tide they were able to get the ball and score with their Fords but guard play's been down you look at what the guards did obviously accounting for the other 30 points but they're they're two of their starting guards in the backcourt had five points on four for 17 shooting of course Askew for Kentucky another one of their their three starting guards he had 12 points it was more efficient but you even look at the three-point shooting for that group amongst all three of those guards they were two for 10 so Kentucky right now struggling with their guard play at the moment of course they're three and one in conference play you can see their talent is still better than majority of what the SEC has to offer but the big indictment on this Kentucky team at the moment is their offense and I think that's going to help out this Auburn defense that has struggled a little bit in conference play this might be an ugly game we might see a lot of turnover from both teams like we might actually see both of these teams a lot like we saw with Georgia last night we might see two teams that turn the ball over an astronomical amount of time so again 
it starts with the guard play. I think Auburn has the edge in that guard play, especially if Powell ends up playing Saturday. We'll get to see what him and Shreve Cooper can do together alongside on the same at the same time in the court. And then when Shreve Cooper goes out, you still have a guy who can come in and play point guard and not take as big of a hit as it is right now when Cooper leaves the field. But man, I court court. <laughs> it's been that kind of I'm day. I'm messing with you, man. It has been that kind of day for me. I Field, got the, court, NBA, NFL, same thing. I'm tomato, just, tomato. I'm still, I mean, I stayed up way too late. Wood, grass. Stayed up too late watching the mass Dancer last night, man. You know how it is. I, I know you did not watch that, but that's okay. They, Nothing they, against people that do watch it. I just, I just know you were working last night. I mean, I got off work. I had it recorded. They revealed the moth, Elizabeth Smart. She was the moth. <laughs> Activist who was kidnapped at 14. A great story. She you really was on did the mass, watch it. I love the mass Dancer. I told you I'm starting a podcast specifically for the Mass Dancer. You are not, but that would be that would be hilarious if you did. Clash of styles in the game between Auburn and Kentucky. Kentucky's a slower team in college basketball, 240th in tempo according to KimPom.com. Auburn's in the top 100 at 92. We've seen, or excuse me, top top 100 at 75. We've seen Auburn's possessions increase as they've gone into SEC play. I think you will continue to see it increase because something Sharif Cooper likes to do. Sharif Cooper likes to push the tempo he likes to move the ball up and down the floor quickly so does this Auburn team now that they're comfortable with their guard play I think you're seeing them play faster over these last two games whether that's a good thing for turnovers that's another that's another story but a a lot about what this game is going to be against Kentucky is who can control the tempo between these two teams is Kentucky going to hunker down if if Kentucky can can avoid turnovers they're going to do all right uh, then again, Auburn could shut them down completely in the half court, and Kentucky could have a really hard time scoring. And then this game really could get nasty and ugly. But one thing that we know is if Auburn gets out and runs, if Auburn starts knocking down their shots from beyond the arc, if Auburn can just get easy buckets at the rim by running the floor, Kentucky's going to have a hard time keeping up in this game because of where, of, of where their guard plays at, about where they're at right now offensively, and turnovers. If Auburn can force some turnovers – they're going to get after it, and I, I think this is the beginning of, of, of a little bit of a streak for Auburn. I think at least beating Kentucky and Georgia is a great place to start for this team, whether or not they continue to follow it up after this. I said Auburn would defend their home floor against Kentucky after beating Georgia. I'm sticking with that right now. I'm, stick, I'm, I'm going to go with that, too. And again, tomorrow we'll get more into the nuts and bolts of this matchup. But again, I think this team right now, they're hungry. They lost a lot. High. They lost a lot of SEC games before they got their first one. They don't want to go back to that. They're playing really, really well, like really well together right now. They're playing good basketball. I think they're going to come out. I think they can set the tempo. I think they can set the pace of this game. This is a game to see where the turnovers are for Auburn. Can they limit the turnovers? Again, we say it every every game at this point. They got to limit the turnovers and play to that. So, I think I agree with you. I think they win this game. Then after Kentucky, they'll have Arkansas on the road. But that Arkansas team's completely different than when they played Auburn originally. They're 2-3 and three in SEC play. That does it for us on On the Line today. The Drive with Bill Cameron following us. Stay here. We'll see you tomorrow. Don't go anywhere.